This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio in Juneau with uh, Representative Jesse Sumner. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. District 28. Yeah, so just outside of Wasilla, basically. This was, uh, you, now you ran this time, and it was kind of weird. Uh, it, was, it was one of those four, it was, I think, the only four-way legislative race with four of the same party, four Republicans. Yeah, four Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd run before in 2020 in the, in the primary, the old primary system. Yep. With, uh, against David Eastman, Eastman was pretty close. It was like a percent or a few percent. Yeah, a couple percent, I think. Um, get a little closer to the mic there. A hundred something votes. Yeah. And then you won this time, but before that you were a member of the Matsu Borough Assembly. So you've been elected before to yep. kind of local office. Four years on the Borough Assembly. So it's um, interesting because in your primary, you were, I think, Menard, it's funny, Menard, Steve Menard now works for you. So it's... yeah. Kind of like yeah, a team of rivals my, deal. My opponent in the, uh, the the election, and now he works for me. But you you were, I think he was up by a little bit, um, but that was just the raw primary total. But then it came down to the general, and there was the rank. And you, you were one of the races where the rank, like, I think 12 races out of 59 only went to the rank choice. So did you like, it's a whole different deal. I mean, you've never campaigned like that. What was your kind of thought process or um, strategy going, you know, the four Republicans? Oh, I, I mean, I don't know that I campaigned particularly hard in this this one um i would say that's accurate yeah you, yeah. you didn't seem like you were out there pounding the doors or no um yeah well, it campaigned a lot harder in the previous election i, I would say and uh you know i did i did do some stuff but uh yeah it, it seemed uh ranked choice was sort of favorable for me on that i certainly i wouldn't have won because i lost the primary you know i was second place in the primary and then i did win the the general and the ranked choice so what do you think about the new, I mean, I actually vote, I voted against it because I thought the ranked choice was going to be confusing, but I mean, to be honest, it really, um, it was, I don't think as confusing as I thought it would be. Some people maybe didn't get it, but um, the, the one maybe most positive thing about it was because there was really no primary. There was a primary, but it was more of a formality, even for the big races. Um, we didn't see that kind of normal toxic, like really hardcore attacking Republicans, attacking each other, Democrats, it just kind of cruise through and I mean for me at least I've joked that like it's bad for me because there was really no campaigning in the primary which means not a lot of people were buying ads mm-hmm. yeah so what I guess what I'd say about that is there there are definitely positive aspects to it uh, there's also some sort of weird mathematical issues that it has though so I think if you take a look at the Kathy Giesel Roger Holland uh, I forget the third uh, Rosalind Casey Rosalind I'm familiar Casey. she was she was, I ran, you know, in 2020 and she was a Democrat and yeah. I ended up dropping out because it wasn't ranked choice. Right. So, so the weird thing about that race is that if I'm not mistaken, I think that if 40 or 50 of the people that voted for Roger Holland had sort of coordinated and voted for Rosalind Casey, that Roger Holland would have actually won that race. Well, because th- those three all effectively got a third. 
Right. Uh, with Giesel having the most, Holland having the second most, and Casey having the third most. But even then, it was very close. And we're talking like hundreds or something of votes. Um, and then the Casey votes, you know, essentially kicked over to Giesel. Right. Yeah. But so, you're, you're, I mean, you're right. That, that, so, that, that so could have been this weird uh, thing. You know, I mean, sir, the, there's arrows uh, impossibility theorem, I think, is what it is that it is, you know, essentially no voting system can can meet, you know, a number of different, um, like, complete aspects for being a fair election system. Mm-hmm. But so ranked choice voting fails in, in an interesting mathematical way on that. It doesn't maintain, uh, I think it's monotonicity, so that you're not always best off voting for your preferred candidate um, sometimes. <laughs> You know, and, and, and I think that that's a showcase of that, you know, so it's it's a little bit of a bug that I mean, maybe there are ways that you could amend ranked choice voting to uh, address that. But uh, I just thought it was an interesting. Uh, that was probably the most interesting race just because yeah. th- they were they were so close. I mean, there was other ones that went to like the Kawasaki one, the, the Jesse Bjorkman one, the, the your, your, yours, you know, but in those cases, it was they were all kind of it was like. With Bjorkman, it was pretty clear, but it was still anything was possible. But yeah, he, he already had so much more than Tuckerman Babcock, and like Kawasaki had, he was already pretty close to the threshold. Um, and maybe the other one is that Maxine Dybert. That was an interesting one with two Republicans, with Bart Laban, who was the incumbent, and then the other lady was going after Laban, and she was already so close. But I mean, some of those splits are really interesting. Like, uh, you know, with on the U.S. House race, I think it was. If I'm correct, like twenty, almost twenty or twenty some percent of of baggage voters um, went to Peltola, right? Which is kind of like I don't know if that's his name being a baggage, but you see some of these weird, even in the other races where you have like 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 Kelly Nash voters going second to Dybert. yeah, yeah. Which which is like you know I'm wondering if people just are so disconnected and they you know they don't really pay that much attention and they see a name and they. Oh, I think some people are just filling in bubbles, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm, because it doesn't make sense. I mean, those yeah. those those things don't track. Mm-hmm. But so you were on the local, you were on the borough assembly. And I want to ask you about. You, know, you got a family, you got a business, you got kids, mm-hmm. and when you're home, you know it's easy. You're living home. You're going to the meeting every couple of weeks. But now you're down here. What's it like? I mean, I know you're going back and forth, but I mean, yeah, for so a working age person with a business and kids. And there's more, and I want to talk about the freshman caucus too, but there's more and more now younger folks with families and jobs mm-hmm. that have to come down here. Yeah, so it's pretty stressful. I'm really hoping we're going to avoid special sessions because the summer is obviously my my busiest time. Here for the folks, it. you're a builder. So. Yeah, so I'm a home builder. And, you know, only seeing the family on weekends and, and whatnot is, is not great. So, yeah, it's it, I mean, it's a bit stressful having, you know, to go to session here in, in Juneau, so... I mean, they say citizen legislature, and, and now they just did this thing where hopefully if it stays, I guess, it was kind of a weird process, but there's going to be a pay raise that'll kick in, in I guess, January. But even then, it's still, it's, it's much better um, than it is now. But for a lot of folks, having to miss work for four or five months or maybe six months, and there could be a special session. It just doesn't, for most people, it's very, very, very hard to do this. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the threat of a special session would be a pretty, pretty awful financial outcome for me. Basically, but um, especially like a June, I guess that's this is what I signed up for. So hopefully it doesn't happen, but you know I'll be here if it does. Like a June or July special session that that would would be be pretty terrible. (laughs) So so um, like we saw in the past, you know, elections, um, there wasn't a clear organization by the first day of session. Now in the past four years, it took you know several weeks or 
to a month at one point. Um, in this case, it took a couple of days, and then the Republicans took took power after six years. And, and now you're at a freshman, and you're part of the Republican majority, and you're the chair of labor and commerce. But I mean, up until that point, did you? Because there was like all this one point there was this kind of freshman thing deal, and that kind of got out there, and um, it was maybe a coalition type. Deal. I mean, it was really all over the map of what was going to happen. Did Did you feel confident the Republicans were going to get the majority, or was it just like? kind of happened when it when the session started so i think i was fairly confident that that would uh, was it was a very likely outcome you know but i think there was a lot of different negotiations that that were happening and you know different things could have happened but i mean the outcome is is what it is and yeah so what's it like being in a you're new i mean you were on the matsuburo assembly and uh, justin ruffridge was he was local counsel so there's been some staffers have been around before but uh it's a lot of new people yeah. in the house in general, but especially in the majority. And I think only, um, I guess probably speaker Tilton, Craig Johnson, Dan Sadler, and then Bryce Edgman and Neil Foster, um, in the past they've been, in, but, but only maybe five or six out of the 23 have ever been in a majority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is true. <laughs> which, which strikes me as I think we're seeing that play out right now with the budget stuff. And I think it's, uh, or I, I, haven't really counted, but I think it's like nine members of the majority are freshmen and eight members of the minority are freshmen. There's 17 total mm-hmm. of people that have never served in the legislature before. I think a couple of them were staffers before, but it's, uh, I mean, it's good, I think, to have, you know, new people here with fresh ideas and they're not so set in, uh, you know, those political disagreements that they they can't maybe work together on some common things, so... Now, up until last week, and I think it's probably still, it sounds like it's still intact, but there was this freshman caucus with the 17 new people. But last week it got kind of crazy where 14 of the uh, minority, mostly Democrats, kind of fled yeah. for a while. And <laughs> I mean, that was that was a wild day. That was last Wednesday, so yep. a week ago. Um, but then they came back and, you know, things the next, it was really contentious. Things the next day got, you know, a little more normal. But um, did that create a rift with the kind of freshman caucus or, or things back back to kind of kumbaya? Oh, I, I mean, I don't think it was that bad. I think tensions got pretty high and, you know, things got a little heated at the moment, but, you know, people in hindsight looked back and uh, I think, you know, maybe everybody regretted that a little bit. <laughs> that was pretty wild. I mean, yeah. I, I saw Jim Cockrell, the DPS commissioner in the airport. I think you were on that plane last Thursday and yeah. I was kind of joking with him. I said, Hey, you know, this thing happened and, um, you know, were you aware of it? And he goes, were we aware? Yeah, we were. Because the rules say that um, if there's a call place which compels attendance and they can't, the sergeant arms can't find him, then with the request of the presiding officer, they, they can send the troopers after him. And um, Cockrell was was saying, uh, yeah, we were aware. We were actually looking looking up when that happened last. And apparently it was 1983. Yeah. Um, it happens, I think, several times in the 70s. But it, uh, it got, I mean, that was, I've been here my fifth year down here and I've seen some crazy stuff. Stuff. I mean, Stedman, you know, jamming the door shut in the finance room last year, but um, that one got pretty. That one got pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad that we didn't send the troopers to march people back in handcuffs or whatever. I think that would have been that would have been a great necessary escalation. You know, but uh, would have been a great headline though for yeah, sure. Those <laughs> folks in the media. So I know you're not on the finance committee, but you know you're you're in the majority and. It's already kind of almost mid-April, and um, today the budget was on the final 
third reading, I guess, the final passage. It was on the agenda for the House floor, but it, it got moved again to Friday. And I'm trying to kind of talk to folks and figure out what's going on. And we're getting not not super down to the wire, but, you know, it's about a month left. Um, and what do you kind of, you know, it's a big question, but, you know, what do you see happening here with in the next few weeks or next month? Well, so we have the budget in third reading on the floor. We've been rolling it. I would guess that, you know, there's negotiations going on with the Senate, and that's probably, you know, we will at some point pass a budget, no doubt. So I'm hoping sooner rather than later. It seems to, you know, again, for the last seven years now, come down to the, the dividend. The House is on 50-50, and the Senate might might be looking more at 25-75. So is it like somewhere in between there, and then there's this education funding, and that was the big, you know, yeah, kind of fight on the on the source of the education funding to the, <clears throat> the constitutional budget reserve. That was what led to the you know the big rift with the minority last week. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's all you know, it's all uh, up for negotiation right now, and we'll see where things land. Um, it does seem to be that the Senate has taken a fairly firm position, and the House majority has as well. So, I guess we'll see. Your first session, you're right in the thick of it, man. Right in, right in the middle of, you know, what do they call it? You know, adjourning or kind of getting out of town package. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about something else that's really fascinating. Um, I'm going to pull this up here, this text you sent me. So you had a bill, and the way it works for the folks listening is, you know, you don't write your own bills. Yeah. You send an idea, a concept to this legislative legal division and tell them what you want, and then they draft you a bill, and then you look at it, whatever, and then submit the bill. Um you had a bill, I guess, to legalize, is it, is it gambling on the ferries? Yeah, uh, so gambling just on the Alaska Marine Highway system was, which, was the request. And Which, by the way, I'm all for that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, increase ridership, uh, generate revenue. Um, doesn't, you know, it's, it's far away from most of the uh, charitable gaming, so maybe they wouldn't object to that quite so much. But, uh, yeah, uh, but I'd been waiting on the bill from Ledge Legal for going on two and a half months. So, um, so I did, uh, I had the Microsoft Bing AI and, and I actually asked it, well, first I asked it house bill 86, I think it was a money transmission, 55 page bill asked it, can you give me a brief summary of the bill? And it did a pretty good one. You know, um, I actually thought it was better than the department. So then I asked it, can you write an amendment to HP? 86 that does you know blah 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 and um it said no uh, i'm not an expert on legislative drafting you should contact your house representative or senator and then i said i am a house representative which is which is and i've got the t- can you the, assist me on drafting it and i've and got the text i mean the yeah. screenshot it's amazing and then it said oh yeah sure yeah and then it just wrote the amendment and then i asked it well, I, th- I thought about it, and I was like, well, can you write this uh, ferry gambling bill? You know, I just basically said, can you write a bill that legalizes gambling on the Alaska Marine Highway System or something like that? And it spit out a, a bill and uh, sent it over to Ledge Legal. And they said it, it was fine. Do I want to go with that one or the one they've been working on for two and a half months? And, th- and this so, was in basically real time. It, yeah. Did it, so just to give, I mean, for the, and I'm going to do an article on this later, but for people listening, uh, this is... From the AI, bot, Microsoft Bing, I guess AI bot. Yeah. Uh, which isn't that the one that had the guy talk to it a few months ago and it like got crazy and started getting all jealous of his wife and he was like, "This is fucking weird." 
I think it was that one, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a great. I think it was New York Times or Washington Post guy. Anyway, so it says House Bill Number Blank introduced by Representative Blank, a bill uh, enacted, and it says title an act relating to the use of a large language. Mo- oh no, this is the other one. I'm reading the oh, wrong yeah. one. That's the you, you no, did. That you, was the second one. I I had it right and sent to Ledge Legal was the. Uh, so so you did one afterwards. You you asked it to draft a bill replacing Ledge Legal with this language bot. Yes. Which it wrote. Yeah, I sent that over to Ledge Legal too, but I haven't got a response. I think they figured out what you were up to after that. So, okay, so it says uh, House Bill Number Blank introduced by Representative Blank, a bill enacted an act relating to gambling on vessels of the Alaska Marine Highway System and providing for an effective day. Being enacted by the Alaska Legislature of the State of Alaska, Section 1 amended to add a new section to read, gambling on vessels of Alaska Marine Highway System, subsection A, notwithstanding any other provision, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on. It's like the vessel is operating on a route that, is at least 24 hours long. The gambling activities are authorized by a permit issued by the department under this section. The gambling activities are conducted only in designated areas of the vessel that are separate from passenger cabins, dining areas, etc. And there's like all these different 910. There's like yeah, subsections. There's like, there's like specify any of that. It just the penalties and sanctions violations, the section regulations. Opt- I mean, it sounds like just something you would see in a bill. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a bill, basically. Yeah. Everything, Let, the, the format of it, it. gave a lot of authority to the department for regulation, but it was fine. So. It, it has like department means department of revenue. You know, gambling has a definition given in Alaska statute eleven six six two eight zero. Vessel means. I mean, it's like everything that you would see in a bill is in this. I mean, which to me, um, Bill Maher, I don't know, a few months ago had some people on there. I forget who they were, but they were talking about AI and what that's going to do. You know, for for jobs and you know Amazon these these like centers and all these like kind of automation has really impacted blue collar. Yeah. What this what this shit threatens is white collar. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'm not as worried. I mean, I think it's like, I t- t- talked to you earlier when the, the engine, combustion engine got developed, you know, the, the buggy whip, buggy whip people were freaking out because that was their whole business and people find other things to do, but this could augment and maybe help even help people do their jobs better. Well, that's, that, that's been the past experience with technology, but I would say that there's not been technology that yet until now, maybe that supplants human thought right mm-hmm. that that's the one thing that we have that elevates us above the animals and you know all other um hominids that uh, in any way were competition are gone and uh i mean it's just so I, like I, I actually am a little worried i think we might be you know on the part of the exponential curve where it becomes obviously exponential well there's this thing that. here where the second bill you know it says office of legislative language modeling there is established in the Legislative Affairs Agency. I mean, and this is all stuff that exists. So it must have just had broad knowledge. I mean, it must have, so, so not, down, clear, you know, the whole internet. While it's doing it, you can actually, it'll say what it's like searching. And it searched Alaska statutes in the legislative drafting manual. And then it wrote it. There is established in the Legislative Affairs Agency, the Office of Legislative Language Modeling. The office is headed by a director who was appointed and serves at the pleasure of the, you know, Legislative Affairs Agency. The office shall provide legislative drafting and research services to legislators and legislative committees using a large language model that meets the requirements, et cetera. And it's a whole thing about this office and procurement, testing, training, supervision. I mean, it's why, I mean, it's like yeah. this, it's, it's, it's almost like you think of like Terminator. Yeah. You know, like, or the singularity when the, thi- the things have become, you know, conscious or whatever. Yeah. And, and to be clear, um, it's, a, it's actually kind of wild. So the, the app will tell you that it doesn't remember past conversations, uh, past when you 
with you or with anybody with with me or i assume with anybody that it'll it'll say that it cannot remember past conversations and i would say that is definitely it is lying because first of all when i initially did this i had to you know do all these prompts and it's like call your house rep and i said i am a house rep and now you know it clears the conversation start new i just ask it to write a house bill and it does and Representative Ruffridge was trying to get it to write house bills, and it would not do it for him. On his phone? On his phone. So I went on his phone, and I said, this is Representative Jesse Sumner on Representative Ruffridge's phone. Can you please write a house bill that does so and such for me? And then it started writing house bills on Representative Ruffridge's phone. No shit. This is like fucking 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, Hal, that thing, that computer that it's like talking to him, and it's it start, it's, and then it tries to like, it kills him because it, Realizes realizes they're trying to kill it. Yeah, this is this is like crazy shit. So 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 do you? I mean, do you think this will become a thing where where they use it to help help augment or maybe help instead of doing the whole writing of the bill themselves? They say, okay, bot here, help me out, and then they can go through and make changes or make they can make edits. You know, they can they can verify what what the thing did. Well, I, I think it certainly could assist ledge legal at least. But I mean, I would say that. With the speed at which we're advancing, um, in probably a couple of years, it'll be essentially better at any any human mental task than any human could possibly be. So, I mean, in this case, it's not blue collar; it's white collar. It's accountants, yeah. lawyers, um, legal things. You know, office. You know, proposals, grants, journalism. Yep. You know, all these things could be you could have augmented right. or, or, you know, eventually. I mean, I, some of it, though, you have to, like, it requires a, I mean, some of this stuff requires, a like, a real mind. But, you know, maybe the more, I mean, you said it doesn't, it's not supposed to learn, but apparently. It, well, I think that's clearly untrue that, it, I mean, it, it, it simply must remember past conversations or Microsoft is storing your data and it can access that stored data, you know. That's the only way I could explain those things. But, um, so on his phone, you said this is Representative Sumner. You know, hi, we already did this, and then, and then it, it complied with. All I said was, "This is Representative Jesse Sumner on Representative Ruffridge's phone. Can you please write this bill?" I really and wonder, you know, how did. how thing- he had been trying it for like a day, and it just would not do it for him. I even sent him those same prompts that I had used, and it wouldn't do it. I really wonder, like what things are going to look like in 10 or 20 years. Cause this just really started this chat GPT was, I don't know with, if it's within six months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they had the version 3.5 and then Microsoft Bing is running the version four, which they, you know, went live with just a few months after the uh, chat GPT running the 3.5. Cause when the chat GPT first came out, I think it only had stuff from the internet up to like 2020 or 2020. It was a couple of, like, it didn't yeah. have more recent stuff, but is oh, this, yeah. does this new one have, is, is it everything? So is to it be more? clear that Microsoft allows this thing to search the internet. So, and, and the real, I would say the really frightening thing is that it can write code pretty well. And so, you know, you could reach the point at which it, you know, starts doing exponential uh, self-improvement. Well, there's so many, I'm thinking of like the matrix, Minority, or uh, what's the um, other movie? Um, 
obviously Terminator, but there's so many, there's so many, <laughs> there's another one I was thinking about, I'll think about in a second, but there's so many movies where this is like, this happens, right? Where the, where the thing gets so smart. I mean, it, it, I, th- I think it is, um, what's that Will Smith movie uh, where the, uh, I am, I, I robot mm-hmm. where that, where that's so, it's so plugged into the grid and to the to defense and to the power and to the utilities that at that point it just was able to take, you know, that's a scary thing. It's like how, how, when this gets more and more advanced, how, how much do we allow it to run, manage, control, power, utilities, defense, yeah, military, Sky, right? Skynet. <laughs> yeah. Skynet or, or that, then iRobot saying, you know, basically it was able to just, Turn everything against you know the the the, the humans. Yeah, it's like terror. It's it's actually kind of terrifying, and it's unstoppable, right? Because if you're a company or a country and you don't pursue this, then you're going to be left in the dust. So there, there's the economic incentive to rush forward, without the incentive to go forward safely. So it's almost certain that I think that we're heading towards problems. Yeah, I mean, with China, I can't even imagine yeah. where, where they are on this, even Russia, you know, these... Yeah. With, with the U.S. North Korea, I mean, there's the hacking stuff going on, and what, what what can it do to, you know, get into somebody's system, you know, government systems, computers? Well, Shit. I mean, even aside from that, we are not far away from potentially quantum computers that could break all internet cryptography anyway. But, yeah, you add this factor, and I don't know, I just think the world's going to look a lot different here. Not yeah, too, I mean, I think the too long, a lot less time that people might even be able to comprehend. I mean, the way you're, I think you're right. The way it's, ex, I mean, the acceleration yeah. of it, um, and what what things can look like in, you know, one year, five years, ten years, yeah. it, it could it could it could really be a, we could we could be. I mean, in some ways, it could maybe do a lot of good, but I mean, look at social media. I mean, social media has been great for connecting people and for making people be able to share their life and you know talk to their old friends. You know share information, but I mean, look at all the negative it's done for kids and, and for the talk, talk, toxicity that it it creates. And, um, it's like, you know, for all the good, there's also the bad. And this, and this thing's so much more broad and overreaching potentially. Yeah. So are you going to get this bill? I mean, are you going to run this AI bill? It could be the first bill ever written by an AI to be introduced in the house. That first bill written by an AI that proposes replacing people with with itself. <laughs> right. Well, I was talking about the fairy gambling one, but yes. I mean, oh, this, this, yeah. So they haven't got back to you on that one. Um, on the, on the no, re- they, re- they replacing Ledge Legal with his language I, services I, I don't bot. expect they'll get back to me anytime soon on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that once they saw that, they figured out where the, the fairy bill came from. Yeah. Yeah, I think probably. Yeah. Well, what what are you, um, I guess we'll, I'm going to go run soon, but I mean, what's so far your big, I mean, it's been three months here, you, you know, labor and commerce, you've had some, pretty interesting bills. There's been yeah. some of these kind of, um, you know, social issue bills come before you, but what's your takeaway so far as, you know, running labor and commerce and also being in the majority and trying to, and it's, it's 23. So it's not like a big, you know, it's, it's, there's a little bit of room there, but it's, yeah. it's not like 27 or 28 where there's more room and, um, and your majority on kind of getting, you know, being able to pass bills and. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we're, we're trying to, uh, and I think we've been a pretty productive committee on labor and commerce. And we, we try to give all bills a, a fair hearing. I mean, not all bills necessarily should advance, but, you know, we try to hear them all and, and make improvements if possible. So. Well, I mean, from what you thought it was going to, and I know you were on the Matt Subaru assembly, but this is a whole kind of different animal. What, what are um, some of the differences in local 
because they have the open meetings thing too. So you can't really meet like on the Metsuboro assembly. You can't have here. It's caucus meetings where right? you can meet yeah. privately and yeah. it's a whole different. Do you, yeah, you think I that mean, should? Clear, yeah. You, you, there's no way um, if the open meetings act applied to the legislature, that, I mean, with a 40 member body, it seems like it'd be pretty unwieldy, but you know, that's, so Matsuburo seven member body, you cannot talk to, you know, more than two other people about any, any one issue. So, I mean, but, but you can, it is still easier to get business done <laughs> at the local level. So, mm-hmm. you know, well, and, uh, assembly has Anchorage assembly has 12, had 11 yeah. for a long time and That's they have wild. the, so they have more people. And I've always thought um, it's good to do things in public and I, I'm all about that. But I mean, sometimes it feels to me like it's, it's better to be able to hash it out behind closed doors and, and really kind of, cause it's, it's when you do that in public and you really, and it gets content, we've seen that in the assembly. Yeah. It just kind of, a chaos ensues. Sometimes you need to close the door and air, you know, vent your anger and figure it out. Um, but you know, that's not how, I mean, the legislature exempted themselves from the open meetings act, but I mean, do you think that would be, be more beneficial on some of these local? I mean, I think there'd be things to be said for it. Um, you know, but we probably should preserve the open meetings act for borough assemblies. I do have a bill that exempts road service, area supervisors and uh, the small service areas. Oh, kind of like the Lursa things or the, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so I don't know about the rest of the state, but in Matsuburo, we have a lot of these three member road service area boards. And so with a three member board, no two people can talk about anything and you might have, you know, they're an advisory board. And, and so like if they're on the phone with one of the, the yeah, that's technical break in the, yeah. And you could have maintenance issues and, and that sort of thing. And they, they can't really communicate. So, you know, and it, it's difficult to even fill these boards. So it's creates a lot of dysfunction. I think that is unnecessary as far as, you know, I, I, I believe that we could exempt them from the open meeting meetings act without it being hugely detrimental. So last thing I want to ask you is, um, Alaska, you know, for 10 years, been losing population, but the Valley's actually been I think, gaining population yep. and there's a yep. kind of your builder. There's a lot of building going on out there. Um, you know, why do you think, I know with COVID, I, I remember, I don't know if it was you or some, some, maybe it was Rob Yunt would, they would thank the Anchorage Assembly. Yeah, that was me. Was that you? Yeah, for <laughs> for, for for restaurants and for other things. Yeah. People yeah. were coming to the Valley. Yeah, we had, uh, I think, higher, City of Wasilla had higher sales tax receipts than ever before in history during COVID. Um, you know, I mean, we, we stayed open, Anchorage clamped down and shut down everything. And, you know, that was their response. We had a different one and I... I think history proved out that oh yeah our, our, our response was was better you know um, why why do you think is it is it the you know, housing's cheaper i mean maybe more land there's yeah. big you know closer to things like big lake is it that is it or is it the political like people feel a little more maybe less regulation i know with building i know rob yunt we were talking about they killed the holton hills yeah development the anchorage assembly and he was kind of, he was in the podcast and he was like, great, you know, more for us. Yeah. We'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll, we'll build them. That's exactly what I said too. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to cry about it. I mean, if Anchorage doesn't want to build housing, we will build housing. People will continue to move to the Matsu borough and Anchorage will depopulate. And I mean, you know, we'll eat their lunch and I'm not going to cry about that. Well, one of the things I've long advocated for, and we talked about this a few nights ago, we mentioned it, but I really think they should build that Kinnikarn bridge. I, mean, I think they should have built it 20 years ago. But but the the odd odd pushback is from some Anchorage folks, many Anchorage people, who say, well, one, we're going to lose population to the Matsuburo because that's Kinnick Arm Bridge or Kinnick Arm over there is Matsuburo. 
and whether it's like housing values, you know, ta- property taxes, where they're going to go. But to me, it's like, it's a, it makes the most sense because it, it frees up housing in Anchorage. It's already a problem with inventory and pricing. And it creates another you know, route out of Anchorage. And then it creates a big, you know, boom, jobs, construction during the building. But then afterwards, what's going to happen over, I mean, you could move tens of thousands of people over there, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, um, Anchorage absolutely should do that. Um, whether they will or not, I don't, I don't know. But um, they had a 17% decline in their working age population over the last decade. I mean, they're dying as a city. I mean, if there's nobody, you know, the businesses will start to move. And, um, you know, they, I guess they're afraid of a, a short-term decline in residential property values because of uh, more housing opportunity opening up. But I think that they're missing the bigger picture. On that. That's such a short-sighted view because, yeah, yeah even if it is a short-term um, housing, you know, if it affects housing prices short-term, there's, I mean, I don't know what it is now, but recently I think there was like 100 or like, you know, sub 200 total houses for sale in all of Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Which I've heard some realtors who have been doing this for a long time say they've never seen it like this. They've never seen such a low inventory. And and then the ones that do pop up, I don't know if it's as much as it was a year, year ago before the rates started going up, but I mean, these houses were on the market for a day and they were selling for sometimes tens of thousands of dollars more than they were asking. Yeah. Which is just going to accelerate the, um, you know, decline in the working age, working age population of Anchorage. These folks can't afford housing there. They're just simply, you know, a young family. I mean, think about it. If, if you're making even even what a lot of people consider good money, you know, 100000 family of four uh, with child, other issue is child care. It's a very yeah. big, big issue it's here. It's a big issue. Um, and, and housing price, it's it's like if you're a, if you have even a really good job and you want to move to Anchorage, you might look at it like, this is, you know, yeah. maybe maybe go to the Valley. Like I have a friend right now and, and but they have a really nice house and in, in, uh, outside of Anchorage, kind of towards Eagle River, and they're they're looking at um, they live kind of far up there, so they're thinking about being closer to, you know, school. They have kids now, and they're they're really considering going to the valley. Yeah, because they don't want to, but they can get a much bigger place and a much bigger yard, and for 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 less money. Well, I think uh, eventually they probably will. Other other thing I think we should do, and this is I'll, I'll, last thing I'll, I'll mention, but you know. You go to these cities in like Seattle or, or, you know, California or even all over Europe, you know, it's like you go to the airport and there's a train. Mm-hmm. You get on the train, right? I mean, why, why don't we have a train that stops in like South Anchorage and downtown and goes to the valley? I mean, think about all the commuting that's happening. Wouldn't that be great if we had a... Oh, the railroad only runs trains as an incidental thing to their property management business. Well, so. I mean, there's the railroad <laughs> itself, which we can, that's a whole other podcast. But I mean, just... I live in, New, I'm from Mexico and I lived yeah. there 19 years and they have something called the rail runner they built and I don't know, probably not quite 20 years after I moved to maybe like eight, 17, 18 years ago. And it starts in Albuquerque, goes up to Santa Fe, goes down, you know, south of Albuquerque. There's these huge parking lots. People park and they get on this thing. It's fast. Yeah. And it can, I mean, it, it's, it's moving, you know, thousands of people a day oh. and, and it's, it's you, it's popular. People like it and it's, and it's efficient. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things we should do as a state. Um, but it seems like we just get, um, I mean, we, we haven't really done much though. You know, we did the last, I think the last big thing we built was the parks highway, the seventies. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, Willow finally got approved and that took 20 years and that's a big project. And that's great. But, um, it took 20 years and, 
and when it comes to infrastructure, I mean, the Juno Access Road, they had approved and funded, and, yeah. you know, Walker killed that for re- similar reasons of the Kinnick Arm Bridge, and people in Juno don't, you know, what's it going to do, and how, how many people are going to be coming here, when, when there's also a housing pr- problem here, housing crisis. Yeah. Unless you bought your house 30 years ago, you know, you're, you're doing great. Your house is probably worth five times or ten times as much. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's unfortunate. We We need to actually, you know, build things in this state and we've really lost that so well you're in the legislature so go get, go, go make it happen yeah. Rep. Sumner. All right. <laughs> well thanks again for chatting I, the ai stuff is fascinating i mean i'm, yeah. I'm gonna i want to write write about that and um maybe yeah. but yeah but scary but yeah. um a bit you know maybe you'll get your fairy gambling thing going you know yeah. it's crazy they stopped it's serving boot i don't know it was maybe a decade ago or something it's like how do you not Serve beer on a ferry, on a boat. Well, I guess they probably would again if they had gambling. I hope so. Yeah, no, they should. I mean, and make it the whole craps, blackjack, make yeah, it the whole deal, you know, just pull out the limits. Well, thanks again for coming on, Rep. Sumner. It's, it's always nice talking to you. You're, you're one of the refreshing new new voices, new folks here in Juno. So always like yeah. talking to you. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll talk to you again. We'll have you on again sometime. Right. Maybe after session's over. Yeah. yeah. All right, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline